So that character actually has a name now. It's been coined in TV criticism. It's called the Messy Millennial Woman. Preach. While monitoring an emergency line, an FBI agent answers a call that plunges him into a deadly conspiracy involving a mole at the White House. So presumably some sort of pest control required. Should I want a deep dive on, say, maybe, I don't know, season three? Where might I find that? Well, handily, Damo, TBDNA did some absolutely cracking episodes. Analysis, very naughty language, lots of innuendo. Or, of course, Wikipedia. Three (laughs) disappointed faces looking back at me. (laughs) This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TVDNA The Watch List, where we will be talking about the shows that we're currently watching, what's coming soon, and all sorts of TV news, including the BAFTA nominations. My name's Adam Henning, and I'm joined this evening by Grace Chapman. Hello. And Izzy Dixon. Hello. And Damien Cooper may well be joining us a little bit later on. I did also last night had a little chat with Neil Shepik about Apple TV show extrapolations. So we'll be we'll be paper clipping that conversation into this episode at some point. <laughs> paper clipping? I couldn't think of the right phrase. I thought you were going to say extrapolating, but that does that work? Uh, no. <laughs> Grammar. Grammar 101. Anyway, nice to see you both. How are you? I'm well, yeah. thanks. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm very well. Both Grace and I have just, just finished episode two of Ted Lasso ahead of our next chat because we're going to be recording um, a little special on that straight after this. So I'm full of good vibes from that. Excellent stuff. So yes, you've both been watching Ted Lasso. What else have you been watching? Well, I actually, my internet went down on like Sunday night and has been really patchy since then and has only basically just got itself together. So, you know, what did we used to do before the internet and streaming? We watch terrestrial telly. That's what we do. I've been on the terrestrial. I've been I've been in that old stomping ground. Three things. The first is I watched David Attenborough's Wild Isles, which is his new one on Sunday on BBC, all about British landscapes and, and animals and oh it's just gorgeous I mean it's everything you could expect from David Attenborough so that was lovely I also watched Bake Off stand up to cancer's Bake Off with David Schwimmer yes oh, I've forgotten he was on it I might have to watch it just for that because I'm just really intrigued as to how that will go I can't really imagine it yeah so is he basically is David Schwimmer and Jesse from Little Mix it's like two weird universes colliding in the Bake Off tent <laughs> I think the main thing is he is just such a lovely man and a really good baker. And that just makes me really happy. And he clearly is very passionate about the cause. And the fact he's just come over here to be in the Bake Off tent is just wonderful. I think everyone, it seems like everyone in the tent occasionally glances over at him and is like, what is Ross doing here? (laughs) I love seeing the Friends cast in things now because I think they all seem like quite a good bunch of people. And... Um, there's just something about the fact it's really nostalgic, but they all just sort of, they had such a big heyday in the 90s that they can kind of now just do passion projects. One of my all-time favourite TV shows that I um, went back to and binged recently is Episodes. I don't know if you ever saw that, but basically features Matt LeBlanc playing a fictionalised version of himself. And he just looks like he's having the best time. It's so great. So silly. He plays a really arsehole version of Matt LeBlanc, but with just so much like 
joy and so much like good comedy jobs as yeah it's great so I always really enjoy seeing them in other things yeah I mean he was having a great time I had forgotten that Celebrity Bake Off was on and it's it's perfect uh Phoebe watching like if there's a Venn diagram of David Schwimmer and Little Mix then Phoebe would be sitting in, in the middle of it um but <laughs> she has asked if we can watch the Marvel movies together so that's what we've been doing. We've worked our way through phase one of the MCU and we've just just finished watching Iron Man 3. <laughs> this is where Grace just looks a bit despairing and I get really excited. Quite often yeah. when I um, go and hang out with Grace and her boyfriend, Mia Kishishtoff will get very nerdy about either the Marvel movies or Taylor Swift and Grace will leave the room. <laughs> one time they were on a massive monologue about Robert Downey Jr. And I think almost, not Robert Downey Jr. Is that his name? What, the one I love? Yeah. My ultimate celebrity crush, Robert Downey Jr., yes. Yeah, they went on a massive monologue about him, and I think I almost cried. <laughs> you did look very traumatised, but we were having a lovely time. Well, that sounds <laughs> lovely, Adam, and how's, how's it been going? How many films have you watched together? So we've, we've done all three Iron Man films now, one Thor, one Captain America, one Avengers. So yeah, six movies so far. We will definitely take a break to watch The Bake Off. And are you doing them in timeline order or release order i think we're doing them in, in release order but it's on the disney plus app it has all of the one shots in the order that they should be in that makes sense so i think it is release order that we're doing them in yeah do you know i haven't actually seen the one shots but so i i had not seen any marvel films at all until the beginning of 2021 when we went into the third lockdown and my housemate at the time who is a big marvel nut and I were kind of basically locked in the house alone for like two months. So we just got through all of them. But we did them in the kind of timeline order. So we watched Captain America first and then Captain Marvel, which obviously is a really late one um, because narratively it kind of, yeah, it goes that way. So I've never watched them in release order just because I didn't watch them when they were released. I came to it very late. And I've yeah. never come to it at all. So <laughs> to be honest, Grace, I am excited for the day that Taylor Swift is in a Marvel film because... Me and Kshishtof are going to be thrilled. You'll explode. And um, I think you'll just be like, I'll wait in the car. <laughs> and then the only other thing I've been watching is uh, on Monday night, I got stuck. You know, obviously it wasn't my decision, guys, though it does sound something like I would do. I ended up watching Married at First Sight Australia on E4 Plus One. Oh, sure. Not your decision. No, Tara, you know, there was nothing else on. There was nothing else on. Would I recommend it? No. Married at First Sight UK, come talk to me anytime. But this was this was quite bad. Our Married at First Sight fans will want to know why it was Australia, you said, why that one is, is not as good as the UK version. Well, I think the problem was I was coming in mid-series, Adam. So I hadn't experienced the weddings. I didn't know what the, the couple's various challenges have been. So I think I just wasn't emotionally invested as I was the entirety of Maths UK. So those are the three things. Bit of wildlife, bit of reality TV. And um, what was the Oh, bit of Bake Off. Come on. It's a beautiful, beautiful triple there. How about you, Izzy? What have you been watching? So I am continuing to get through Yellow Jackets because we are obviously going to cover it and do some specials on it. So I am probably just over halfway through now. It's not a very bingeable series because it is so bleak, but I'm, I'm really loving it. Um, trying to get my housemate to watch it, but she feels like she needs a bit of a break after The Last of Us, which is completely fair. So I, I did decide earlier this week because I just couldn't remember what happened 
at the end of Yellow Jackets and knowing that it was coming up, I've been saying that I'm going to rewatch it. I've got a week. Can I rewatch 10 episodes of Yellow Jackets in a week? I think I've just finished episode seven. But I just love it so much. It reminded me why it was one of my favourite shows of, I think, 2020. Because, I mean, it is bleak and they, they commit fully to the, the gore, but it's very, very funny as well. I think there's a lot of really good lines in there, I think, that are comparable with Succession for for zinginess. Some of the stuff that Christina Ricci's character and Melanie Linsky's character gets to say, I think are really, really good. I totally agree with you. I think all the women in it are brilliant. And I think they all get such good roles. None of the roles feel two-dimensional. All of them feel really complex, which you don't always see. Um, And I think the way they've cast the younger like the younger kind of 1996 versions of the characters and the older versions are really great. Like the casting is so good. Some of the best casting I've seen. So yeah, I'm really thoroughly enjoying that. Well, enjoying is not the right word, but I'm I'm really getting into it and sort of recommending it to everyone I know. Um, and some great, yeah. like, great writing. We should say for those that haven't ever seen it before, but there's the a female football team, teenagers, who get win the state championship. So they're going to the nationals and their plane crashes in the Canadian wilderness. And then the story is told with, we sort of see four of those characters in 25 years later. And it's interesting, I think, because you know very early on in that first episode that they eventually turn on each other in the wilderness, which is a euphemism. But you also know that some of them survive and, and are rescued. But it's still the sort of twists and turns and the mysteries within that first series, I think were really, really compelling and gripping. And I'm still working stuff out in my head as I'm re-watching it for this. It's really, really well plotted, which I say is one of the like real strengths of it, alongside the casting and the characterization and the writing and everything else I've mentioned. The way they kind of see little bits of information is great. And you know pretty much from the opening scene of the first episode that shit gets real dark in those woods. But you... You don't really know what's happened, but you do know 25 years later, the women who survived do not want anyone to come digging around, you know, the story of what happened when they were out there before they got rescued. So it sets up some really, really great, great stuff. Highly recommend, really looking forward to season two. So season two is coming out on Friday this week um, and it's shifting to Paramount Plus. Season one was on Sky and Now TV. No. Uh, Am I going to have to pay for another streaming thing? I think I think give up on Netflix it's fine I'll do it for Yellow Jackets and maybe just to finish the flat share which I never watched the last two episodes of well I think some of this casting news is is a little bit spoilerific if you haven't got through the first season of Yellow Jackets but Lauren Ambrose from The Servant and Simone Kessel are joining the cast as well as Elijah Wood yeah I'm excited about that who's he playing he's playing citizen detective Walter so I think he's going to have something to do with Misty in the uh, in the present day stuff. <laughs> so the other thing I'm watching in shit reality TV, um, like Grace kind of dipping into that in between, you know, serious drama, is the Great Interior Design Challenge, which is kind of, again, it's one of those shows that's like Bake Off, like they did Bake Off and they realised that format works really well and now they just trot it out for everything. But it's interior design. It's very, very satisfying. And if, like me, you're really into, DIY and house fix-ups and I watch a lot of like renovation YouTube. Alan Carr actually a great host I would say as well. I think I saw one series of that in its early days with Alan Carr and I really liked it. It's really fun. It's a yeah it's a great format really satisfying. It's like 
lot of love for changing rooms, but this is probably better. <laughs> yeah. And they give them really, they give them like really interesting commercial briefs. So they're not really like going into people's houses and doing stuff. They're doing things like the last episode, they had to work on like nursery rooms. So like they had a nursery and they had like three classrooms and they were in teams and one had to do like the baby's classroom. One team did the toddlers and one team did the preschool classroom. And they, yeah, it was just super interesting. And they have these like really kind of complex briefs. They've done like cool Soho cocktail bars. They did like a high school common room one year. Like they're just really cool things where like you can really sort of go mad imagination wise. If like me, you're really into interior design, definitely give that a go. It's great. The only thing you wouldn't get on that is that iconic moment of changing rooms where Linda Barker made all the teapots. Do you remember the China teapots fall on the ground and smash? I have a great story about this. So I was briefly dating a man who also remembered that from the 90s. Like we bonded over this like really traumatic memory of watching that happen because they built this like floating shelf in the middle of this room with like probably about 200 antique teapots and then the floating shelf falls down overnight. (laughs) Oh, it's so bad. They like the kind of helpers they have are just like face and hands looking like devastated. Handy Andy had put that floating shelf up with a bit of fishing wire. (laughs) Bad idea. But do you know where Linda Barker is from? The town she is from is Queens. And I shit you not, shelf. (laughs) (laughs) I've digressed the conversation. Changing Rooms did come back for a series last year and it was great. And I'm hoping it'll come back again. With Lawrence Lewin and Bowen, like he was back just doing crazy room schemes. And then he had like a guest designer on each time. It was very good. So highly recommend that. Does the Great Wallpapering Challenge vote people off each week in the same way that they do on on, on Bake Off? The Great Interior Design Challenge. Sorry, yes. <laughs> I couldn't remember what it was called. <laughs> great, The Great Watching Paint Dry Challenge. Yeah, that one. Um, they do. They do. One person leaves each week. And so they gradually get whittled down. But yeah, I really recommend it. And I think if Phoebe is into the Bake Off, she'll probably really like it because they do some really cool stuff. It sounds like something that Catherine could watch with Phoebe. Grand. Anything else then that you've been watching? Do you know what? I don't think I have watched. Well, the only other things I've been watching are things we're going to talk about. So obviously the big thing is Ted Lasso. I finished the final season of The Servant. I know I've been banging on about this for a few weeks now, but I think it might be one of the best shows ever made finale I thought was incredible really paid off four seasons of spine chilling mock the rich twisty turny brilliance I know I'm on probably a hiding to nothing unless I speak to Chloe Wade about it but highly recommend the servant on Apple TV big thank you to Lauren Ambrose Rupert Grint Toby Kebbell and Nell Tiger Free the four leads 75% of which are British we love that do you know what I think I might watch the servant I think you've talked about it enough that I'm I'm sort of intrigued and I feel like there's a gap now where severance was for that kind of weird, twisty kind of stuff in my TV viewing. So maybe I'll give it a go. It's definitely worth it. Half hour episodes and there's sort of 10 each season. So it's like 20 hours total. I mean, you did that overnight with the traitors pretty much. <laughs> Famously. <laughs> well, so, watched. so the new show that I watched this week was A Town Called Malice. This was the Sky Now TV show where Jean, who is the youngest member of Bermondsey-based crime family, The Lords, meets Cindy, like the doll, in a bar. And they have this whirlwind romance, which takes a dark turn. And that means they have to flee to Uncle Tony in the Costa del Sol. 
And that's really where all the fun begins. It's a really bright, fun 80s crime caper. The soundtrack is very, very cool if you like your 80s stuff. And Tahira Sharif and Jack Rowan, who play the two young leads, are excellent in this. Jason Fleming is perfect as the kind of grim dad. And Martha Plimpton is surprisingly convincing as the criminal matriarch of the family. So I'm enjoying it. I'm only two episodes into it so far, but I'm going to stick with it and watch some more of that. I think if you're looking for something light and fun, then this is a good a good show to dip into. I'm watching Picard, which I have mixed feelings about, but <laughs> there's one moment in it where one character says, Bob's your uncle and Fanny's your aunt. And I'm like, my kids would would be like, what? <laughs> that phrase? <laughs> so why are they still telling it in, in the distant future in this sci-fi show? It just made no sense to me at all. I did think it was funny. So those are the main main things that I've been watching. I, my Yellow Jackets rewatch has stalled everything else. I haven't even watched today's episode of The Mandalorian yet. That's how much Yellow Jackets is gripping me. Continuing with The Offer and with Barry and Abbott Elementary and The Consultant as well. Those are all good shows I'm enjoying, but slowly. Mm. I forgot to say that Abbott Elementary is on my list, probably to start this weekend, because my housemate is watching season two and really enjoying it. There's a cracking Halloween episode in season two, which I've really enjoyed. Brilliant stuff. I think they're also good in that show. Very funny. And yesterday I spoke with Neil Shepek about extrapolations on Apple TV+. Plus. You absolutely predicted it right. This is absolutely up my, up my, well, up my whatever. It's so much what I'm so passionate about at the moment. To a point where, to be honest, I think that anyone who is already either obsessed or extremely concerned or aren't putting their head in the sand kind of not being told anything that we wouldn't already predict or know. We talked about it in, in previous episodes, but this is a, an eight-part anthology series which looks at possible scientifically predicted future for the planet and the human race. So it's exploring issues around climate change. And the show is set in 2037, I think, the first episode. Yep. With an anthology series, I'd almost expect it to be different stories but I think these are all linked and within the same world in that I think some of the characters that we meet in that first episode are gonna be in other episodes yeah that's what I would expect as well what I said earlier wasn't in any way damning as to what they're doing because I think it's fantastic and I think the first episode is very much about establishing the world of the future based on scientific predictions, but also political predictions. There's a whole load there. And I know there's lots of people who I guess they deal with what could be phrased as climate anxiety or just a feeling of helplessness. And perhaps this first episode, I'm a little bit worried might turn them off because it really is showing what the a potentially a bleak future, certainly a very different future, and certainly not like the reality that, well, you and Adam, that we've known in our lives, mind the generations that precede us already. I hope that the future episodes, I've only seen episode one so far, build on that. It really does get you into the 
potential reality of what the next couple of decades, you know, the human race is going to face. And there were some really interesting comments that I hadn't thought about in the past. I'm really hoping that the future episodes go into more detail on different aspects and hopefully are also um, showing solutions and positive sides to what we could achieve if we work together. There's three separate storylines being set up in that first episode, aren't they? As well as the world building of this future and what has happened to the planet and everyone in it. So you've got Sienna Miller's character, who is, in this first episode, is pregnant, but she is, I'm not 100% sure what her job title is, but she's kind of dealing with endangered species, essentially, is, is what her angle is so I think at some point she gets described as an archivist but the sort of zoologist type her passion is animals and trying to rescue endangered species and her husband is also a politician yeah and also for this storyline depending on how it develops you've also got someone bringing life into this well maybe not so brave but this new world and I would like for that to be developed, bringing a new human into the world as it is in uh, 2037. Yeah, I've watched half of the second episode. There are three available now on Apple TV and the rest will come out weekly. And Sienna Miller's character is the one that's carried forward into that second episode. So that that definitely is progressed. But the other characters, we get uh, David Diggs playing a rabbi. And there's a sort of story around him and his parents and him doing what he believes he needs to do, which is give hope to people and be with the people in these troubled areas. Yeah, and he explores where faith fits into what is the future for the human race. Okay, faith has also caused many wars in our history, but it's also provided a lot of comfort and guidance for many, many people, whatever their faith. So I think that could be a very interesting storyline for this future that's being told. Yeah, and what I've seen of just literally the blurb of episode three of the series is that his character continues on in that episode, in an episode featuring David Schwimmer. But the third storyline is really about Kit Harrington's Nicholas Bilton, who's very much an Elon Musk-type figure, and the sub-story of that with, with Matthew Reese and Heather Graham, which provided, I think, some of the comedy of this. Well, what you need to understand about global warming is that it's all going to shit, but at least those with money will... Uh be buried in gold-plated coffins. It definitely shows that capitalism is not an endangered species in, in you know, in this world. It is very much alive and, and strong. To be honest, I've also looked into this and thought about this in detail, about capitalism is often cited as the cause, quite rightly. But if turned on its head, if there was a green form of capitalism... Because at the end of the day, that's how humans work. That's how society works. Then if there was a, a responsible, sustainable way of looking at capitalism, capitalism is basically just about taking resources and making, okay, profits, but for the greater good, you might argue about that. 
But there is a way of turning capitalism on its head that could actually be the solution, which is what is suggested in this episode. Yeah, and I think that feels like where they're going with the Kit Harrington character with, with Nicholas Bilton is that he's very much trying to do things in a green way to a degree. It feels like there are going to be conditions to what he's offering. Fascinating stuff, really, really interesting. And I do think that that first episode, there's so much to set up. I quite enjoyed the fact that a lot of it came through news footage. I think there's some really interesting ways that they are showing of how technology has or could progress in the future. My understanding is there's a hell of a lot of research and science has gone into the development of this show. I think it was really well shot. The cinematography, the fantastic visuals. I think it is very strong. I don't think it told anything new for those who are already very well versed. And I think those that maybe aren't might be put off by a bleak future. Civil unrest, civil breakdown is made very clear in this episode. And I think it is something that we all need to bear in mind because it's already happening. You know, we're already getting loads of strikes. We're already getting loads of wars. And it's all about fighting for resources. It's so connected with the climate. And if you can't see that, by all means, direct message me and I'll talk you through some of that. I guess also just put it into perspective, we start off with a speaker, a young woman who was born in 2015 when Paris issued its first warning, the Paris summit. And certainly in the first episode, a lot of events are happening in 2037 during COP42. We're approaching COP28. It's nearly double the amount of time since the climate crisis was considered an issue. And the big question is, what happens after we reach two degrees? At the moment, scientists are saying we can't go beyond one and a half degrees what happens once we get to two degrees? And it is frightening if you have the mind space or the to even consider that. And I loved one line that was, you can't negotiate with a fire, a flood or a famine. These aren't negotiable. This is nature fighting back. And on nature fighting back, just to talk about the walrus attack, I'd like to see more examples of nature fighting back humans within that narrative. Yeah, it's a minor spoiler for this episode, but I think that's fine. I really enjoyed the walrus moment. It just comes at this perfect time, I think, in the episode. And these are really weighty and important, valuable topics that are being sort of dealt with in this show. But it does have its quirkiness as a, as a TV <laughs> programme. I think it is aiming to sort of balance that with some humour and some little comedy pokes, like Matthew Reese's teeth in this. <laughs> like Matthew Reese plays a, a wealthy character who's sort of a developer, I think, uh, an architect, and he has these incredible shiny white, larger than life teeth <laughs> that he's clearly had some cosmetic surgery going on. So there's little flourishes like that. I think Kit Harrington's character, he receives his news on his swimming pool. I do quite enjoy the speculative fiction side of the technology thing of it as well. But I think it's very much heavily focusing on the important topic and issues that, that need to be addressed. Really. Yeah, it very much bangs the nail on the head, which I think is important. 
But like any TV series of any kind, first episode is also going to be about set up. And I think it does that extremely well. And like I say, I just hope it doesn't put people off by how honest it is and how scary that it is real. The potentials of what might happen is very real. So I, I hope that that it doesn't put people off. I would hugely recommend it. I will certainly be watching more episodes. The one thing we haven't spoken about in the first episode is mentioned about finding ways of bringing back species of animals because we all know about the extinction of many species that's already happened and is predicted to happen. And there was a beautiful moment where it was proposed do you think they can bring back us as in the human species? And that really hit me. That was something I hadn't thought about before. Yeah, I guess my worry after the first episode was that we weren't going to care enough about the characters involved. Mm. So in a way, I'm glad that the, these characters have a through line throughout the, the series. And I think having spent more time with Sienna Miller's character in episode two, I think there is potential for, for us to sort of start to care about these characters a bit more because... That first episode is dealing with so many different bits. So I reckon it was very clever of them to put three episodes out at the start and definitely would encourage people to watch at least two before making a decision as to whether they'll continue or not. We will continue to chat about this as the weeks go by, Neil, I'm sure. Extrapolations is on Apple TV Plus and you'll get new episodes every Friday. Absolutely. And as I say, you can't negotiate with a fire, a flood or famine or an Adam. <laughs> no, not at all. Thanks very much, Neil. Bye. Shall we move on then to what's coming soon? Yeah, let's go for it. We'll park one show until Demo arrives. But on the 26th of March, which is Sunday, we get great expectations on the BBC, one of your terrestrial fans. For those that don't know, it's the coming-of-age story of Pip, an orphan who yearns for a greater lot in life until a twist of fate and the evil machinations of the mysterious and eccentric Miss Havisham shows him a dark world of possibilities. It's been adapted by Peaky Blinders' Stephen Knight. Did anyone else have to read this in year nine? That Big is my, time. Yeah, ongoing memory of Great Expectations. Yeah, obviously there have been quite a few adaptations and you know, screen versions of it in the past. But I'm really curious to see what Stephen Knight does with it. I actually saw this as a trailer and I remember going, ooh, this looks really good because I really love Great Expectations. I think it's just a cracking story, really creepy. Miss Havisham is one of the greatest characters in literature, I think. And I couldn't remember now who plays her in this, but I remember being quite excited about it. It's not Olivia Coleman, is it? It is Olivia Coleman. Yes, that could be very interesting. I'm really excited for that. I think that's the main reason I'm going to tune in. Yeah, you've also got, well, Fionn Whitehead is playing Pip and also stars Matt Berry, Hayley Squires, Bashy and Shalom Brune Franklin, who was brilliant in The Tourist early last year. It's going to be a six-parter and it won't be a box set. It's coming out weekly on Sundays. But if you're up for watching the first one of those, that could maybe be one for the watch list next week. I'd be up for that, definitely. It does feel quite strange programming to do it as we come into spring. It feels like quite a dark, wintry tale 
but let's see. Uh, the next one we've got then is Rabbit Hole, uh, which comes out the following Monday, so Monday the 27th of March. This is uh, kind of feels like a little bit like 24 rebooted, but nothing is what it seems when John Weir, played by Kiefer Sutherland, a master of deception in the world of corporate espionage, is framed for murder by powerful forces with the ability to influence and control populations. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it's a lot to get your head around there, right? This one's also got Charles Dance, Rob Yang and Jason Butler-Hana, who was in Ozark and Handmaid's Tale and very briefly, The Walking Dead. I'm going to say now I probably won't be tuning into this. Corporate espionage, normally not my thing. Although if I'm going to have to get Paramount Plus for the Yellow Jackets, who knows? Are Cowboys your thing at all, Izzy? Oh yeah, I I like Cowboys, as we know from um, the English. Yeah. Well, 1923 on Paramount Plus is definitely worth a watch. That season's now complete. Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren, really good stuff. Well, I'm loving Harrison Ford in Shrinking, so I'll give that a go. On ITVX, another terrestrial one, uh, tonight, uh, no, what's the date today? 22nd? Yeah. So tomorrow night, as we record, which will be Thursday, The Dry comes to ITVX. This is a story about Shiv Sheridan, who's a woman recovering from alcoholism, who returns home to Dublin to face a family who are not terribly supportive of her sobriety. Apparently, it has some similarities to Fleabag, and it stars Roisin Gallagher and Kieran Hines. Okay. I mean, I, I feel like the it's a bit like Fleabag gets trotted out for almost everything with a female lead now. But <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's a that don't give a fuck attitude that is the sort of link. I think that and but I don't think anything else from Fleabag kind of comes through. So I think there are sort of some similarities in in the character, but not in anything else. So that character actually has a name now. It's been coined in TV criticism. It's called the messy millennial woman. Preach. Yep, it's being coined as a trope and people are starting to write about it in, you know, various articles and academically. There you go. We've got a whole new character archetype that Fleabag has sort of launched. Well, is it? You know, we can only have one story about a millennial woman. We can't have more than that. Oh, God, no. We've got to have plenty of stories about millennial men, but we can only have one about millennial women. We only have one. It's not like we have loads of different streaming platforms. You know, there's this ongoing need for content. You know, very small window, very small. So the other one, maybe a reason for you to keep your Netflix, is that The Night Agent also airs on Thursday. While monitoring an emergency line, an FBI agent answers a call that plunges him into a deadly conspiracy involving a mole at the White House. So presumably some sort of pest control required. (laughs) Ha ha. (laughs) This one stars... Gabriel Basso, Lucianne Buchanan and Hong Chow, tipped by some of the TV DNA hosts to win an Oscar, but sadly didn't. They star in this action thriller series based on Matthew Quirk's novel. Also has D.B. Woodside in it, who was in 24, as previously mentioned. Damo, hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm all right, thanks. How's everyone doing? We've been stalling a little bit to talk about the sixth show that's out this week which is, of course, Succession. Oh, what's that about? Never heard of it. (laughs) Succession tells the story of the Roy family, loosely based on the Murdochs and their sort of media empire. And the patriarch of that family, Logan Roy, is of advancing years. So it's a King Lear-style 
who is going to take over from Logan. And the first three seasons have been incredibly good, very, very funny, quite dark in places. Yeah, and we love it. Should I want a deep dive on, say, maybe, I don't know, season three? Where might I find that? Well, handily, Damo, TBDNA did some absolutely cracking episodes on that latest series. Analysis, very naughty language, lots of innuendo. It was great. Or, of course, Wikipedia. Three (laughs) disappointed faces looking back at me. (laughs) So, yeah, any thoughts on this upcoming season four, fourth and final season of Succession, of course? I think I've said it, maybe even said it on the podcast, I am Team Shiv through and through. But uh, my worry is, I think he's going to give it to maybe someone that's not in the family. And I don't even necessarily think it's going to be who we think it is. I wonder if maybe he'll sell it to maybe a Chinese media conglomerate or something like that. Some big, big, was it the Yuan? Is that what they have in China? For many billions of Yuan. It's just all to play for, isn't it? Which is just so amazing to be in at this point in the story. I mean, Logan has the most changeable but determined mind. And uh, yeah, I could totally imagine him pulling the rug out from all of us and doing something completely left field. Pulling the rug sounds painful. (laughs) Could be another of the innuendos about him trying for another child. (laughs) But I remember that when when we were excited about season three, we were looking at the the poster for the series and trying to get clues from it. And have you guys seen the poster for season four? No, no I haven't. Oh, it's great. So they're all of the family, uh, anyone listening, quickly Google it now, but all of the family are in front of some basically mirrored sky riser windows, glancing over their shoulders at each other. But because of the mirrors, it's like a wall of mirrors. Everyone's looking at everyone else. It's very, very clever. But interestingly, in the poster, Logan's in the middle. And from what the one I'm looking at now, Roman and Kendall are on the outside, which is quite interesting, I think, because obviously Kendall's been pushed out, but Roman felt like he wanted, he was kind of on the inside track towards the end of season three. And then you've got Tom doing his best one eyebrow, suspicious look at Shiv. Shiv doing exactly the same at Tom. And then in the middle, either side of Logan, you have Connor and Greg, who were the outsiders, really, in all of this. So I'm wondering if there's some clues there about how everything might shift and swap in terms of loyalties and who Logan might trust enough to take over. Here is my prediction. All of them die in a helicopter crash at the end, except Cousin Greg. (laughs) And he therefore is the successor despite being wildly underqualified. I think Marsha still has a big role to play in this. Logan's second wife, current wife. I wouldn't be surprised for there to be some sort of Marsha-shaped twist in there at some point. I love that. Key things I'm looking forward to are um, Connor and Willa's wedding. I cannot wait for that episode. When Succession does weddings, it's some of the best telly. And I wonder how Shiv's going to play her hand in terms of the Tom thing, because, you know, she was the only one that saw Logan touch Tom on the shoulder. So I wonder how she might play that card. Yeah, I really don't know where it's going to go. And I'm really, I'm really excited about that. I think it does incredibly well at taking you down a certain path and then completely just 
going to use this phrase again, pulling the rug out from under you, things flip so quickly. And that's what makes it really compulsive viewing, I think. How we feel in the first episode is not going to be where things end up. And I think there's going to be a massive twist at the end, and I'm very excited to see what that is. Last time we did this, one of the things we did on the podcast episodes was to come up with our favourite line of the episode. So I'm going to ask you now for your favourite lines from the or favourite line from the first three seasons of Succession. Well, my favourite line is, you can't make a tomlet without breaking some Greggs. Just never fails <laughs> to make me laugh. It's quite similar to the, how about a tom with some Greg sprinkles line, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's just so, so, I think I love Succession so much. And then that line came out and I thought, this is, this is just poetry. This is pure poetry, this show. I think it's also the context of that line though, right? It's not just the line, which is great. It's the whole way it's delivered. And it comes out like the congressional hearings. It's sort of read in this really like serious way from like transcripts. And it's just the whole way it's delivered is as funny as the line itself, I think. It's the subject line in an email that Tom sends Greg multiple times. Like 27 times, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So that's my one. Mine is the demented fucking piss mad king of England. Closely followed by L to the OG. That's one of my favourite episodes. Was it the janitors of Idaho when they are at the kind of massive Waystar conference? And one of my favourite episodes of that was when Logan thinks there's a cat under his chair. <laughs> I, I mean, I love the Tomlet one and I also love the one that Adam's about to say is his favourite. Um, so I've gone with, you don't hear much about syphilis these days, very much the MySpace of STDs. <laughs> but is that a roman line no that's a that's a tom line i think about um sandy so my favorite line then is if it is to be said so it be so it is <laughs> which is shakespearean in a way but again it's the same episode as the tomlet and greg's one isn't it it's the like congressional hearings oh my god just like one of the best episodes of tv of all time I want to give a shout out as well to my second favourite line, which is, we here for you. Oh, when they get into trouble about the set-top box actually listening to people. <laughs> I'm already crying with laughter and we're not, we're just talking about it in the past tense. Other great ones that we all put in the WhatsApp group were, fuck Greenpeace. I got deep into the prison blogs about toilet wine. Another Tom one. Connected to the Greenpeace one of, I love you and I'm glad you're part of my life, but I am taking legal action against you. <laughs> There's an amazing Instagram account, which I really recommend everyone follows, which is Tom Wamsgan's Out of Character. I'll get the actual like handles, so we can put it in the show links, but it's just great screen grabs of Tom doing great quotes. And it like they come up daily and it's like the, my favourite part of my commute is just seeing the new ones. Well, we will be covering Succession on a weekly basis, starting from next week. Uh, we're also going to be covering Yellow Jackets, Izzy and I, but we're going to do those in two episode chunks, like we're doing with The Mandalorian. So we're getting another Mandalorian episode next week as well. Now, we've got another episode that's coming shortly, Grace, about uh, Unforgotten. Yeah, we thought we, we thought we were done with season five. No, 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 because we got an email, didn't we? Just when we thought that we were out, they pulled us back in again. Lovely. Like, did I quote that right? <laughs> <laughs> Look what they've done to my boy. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So in response to our Unforgotten episodes, we had an email from Andy Wilson, who is the director of Unforgotten, has always been the director of Unforgotten. And I'm just going to read you the first three sentences that he wrote in his email for your podcast. So entertaining. I loved hearing what you liked and didn't. Helpful for season six. Get us in the writer's room, Adam. (laughs) So we took the opportunity to reply to Andy. And he also uh, picked up on a couple of things that we'd either missed or hadn't quite joined the dots on. Really interesting stuff to hear from him. So we've invited him onto the podcast and he's agreed to do an interview with us. So we will hopefully have that coming to your ears very soon. I don't even watch I've Forgotten and I'm excited for you guys. So Damo, you missed um, you missed a little bit of chat about reality TV. Oh no, what a shame. <laughs> we'll have to go back and listen when the when the episode's edited. But have you been watching anything at the moment? Oh, I've been a busy, busy boy, but that hasn't stopped me from watching TV. So uh, I'm halfway through series two of The Boys, and I'm not sure how much further I'm gonna go. I know that's quite controversial, but yeah, it's just not quite grabbing me. Maybe it's because of the length of the episodes, I don't know. But I feel quite tired by the end of each episode. Maybe I should get my B12 levels checked. Maybe that's the issue. So I'm not sure. There's some really nice performances in there, though, and I like what it's saying. I've also started watching series two of Avenue 5, the Armando Iannucci show set on a spaceship set adrift with Hugh Laurie it plays the captain um, and there's lots of other great British and American actors in it which is good it's not quite hitting the highs of season one for me right now but it's by no means terrible it's not vintage energy but it's still still solid enough I watched uh, through my VPN and uh, a friend's AMC account Lucky Hank, which is the new show starring everyone's favourite dodgy lawyer, Bob Odenkirk. We have talked about this previously on the pod. Interesting is what I'd say. Really good cast. But because it's the first episode, I feel like we haven't really seen what the show is about properly. It's quite a lot of setup. Well, Damo, if you remember rightly, you were said that Saul didn't really come into their own until Series 3. So maybe this just needs a bit of a run-up as well. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Saul, Grace, have you continued watching Beck or Saul? Are you near the end now? Now my internet's back up. I'll be starting Season 6 after this podcast. And I'm here. There is a podcast that I can listen to that can help me work through some of the challenges of that final season where could i listen to that uh, so amc have an official podcast oh sorry oh sorry sorry you meant um you you did want to hear interviews with the actors and the directors of the show on the writers you you want to hear the witty repartee between old friends enjoying a wonderful show that's exactly what I want. So I'll be listening to all the TV DNA ones. So if those numbers each go up by one every couple of days, that's just me working my way through them. Brilliant. I'll have two listens each. <laughs> <laughs> we are running long, so let's. we won't go through all the news that I prepared, but I think we ought to talk about the BAFTA nominations, right? So uh, BAFTAs came out today, I believe, uh, BAFTA nominations for the TV awards. And there's some pretty exciting stuff in there. 
So we've got drama series, uh, Bad Sisters, The Responder, Sherwood and Somewhere Boy. I've watched all four of those and definitely Bad Sisters was the highest up my 2022 list of those oh, shows. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled about this. Go Sharon Horgan. If people wanted to sort of find out more about Bad Sisters, how could they do that, guys? <laughs> Like, they could listen to the TV DNA podcast <laughs> that you and I recorded. Can I just check? Was that show written by a friend and fan of the show? Big time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sharon Horgan, who um, liked the tweet I put out and therefore is a fan of the show. <laughs> That's how it works, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. But we very much enjoyed The Responder as well. We, we talked about that on the podcast and, and about Sherwood and I rattled on about Somewhere Boy. They're all four, I think, really good shows would highly recommend with the responder series two maybe out later this year mini series we've got a spy among friends mood the thief his wife and the canoe and this is going to hurt i feel like this is going to hurt came out like a few years ago but is that just time being all muddly in my head yeah, yeah. that's time being all muddly in your head sweet <laughs> <laughs> i really enjoyed the thief his wife and the canoe as well but i think probably this is going to hurt it's going to take that one i've never seen mood anyone seen mood i have not seen mood i'll have to check that out international shows the bear dharma monster the jeffrey dharma story wednesday usikine pachinko which i'm thrilled that pachinko has got some love here and the white lotus two of my top five shows from last year have made that list one of them is not dharma monster the jeffrey dharma story just to you know clear that up but yeah, I'm really torn between the bear and the white lotus. For anyone who is interested in the white lotus, where might they get some more <laughs> information about those episodes? Um, Jennifer Coolidge, very big on Instagram right now. So that's that's what I recommend following. Well, you can listen to our white lotus special episodes on the TV DNA podcast. Yeah, there's probably quite a few of these that we have talked about over the last year. Uh, but I want to just quickly run through the some of the acting awards as well leading actress billy piper in i hate susie 2 imelda staunton in the crown kate winslet in i am ruth maxine peak in anne sarah lancashire in julia and vicky mcclure in without sin maxine peak was brilliant in anne really loved that um i'm quite sad emily blunt's not got a nod here for the english and also with speaking of sarah lancashire is happy valley going to be considered for next year's baftas because it came out this year is that how that works yeah obvious question yeah well, that's next year sewn up, isn't it? <laughs> so just the mention of Anne has reminded me of Grace. <laughs> Every time I go on ITV Hub, ITVX or whatever it is, and I start watching a show, I have to double, triple check, and I'm still paranoid that I've watched the last episode first. Yeah, the last episode of Anne first. Can you imagine? <laughs> but yeah, lots of good people in there I think I've no idea who's going to win that one leading actor we've got Ben Wishaw in this is going to hurt Chasquet Spencer in the English which we've just mentioned Killian Murphy in Peaky Blinders we've got episodes on that one as well Gary Oldman in Slow Horses Martin Freeman who was superb in The Responder and Taron Edgerton in Blackbird again really really strong list here I mean Gary Oldman in Slow Horses is brilliant it's a brilliant character and he's really really good in it he has a, so much fun in that role I don't think it's as much of a stretch as what some of these others have had to do. I think Martin Freeman gave his definitely his career best performance in the Responder. I say he wasn't able to just kind of roll his eyes and sigh, which is up until that point quite a lot of Martin Freeman's work, right? 
True. Yeah, and actually I've just checked and it's Killian Murphy's first BAFTA TV award nomination for Peaky Blinders. So interesting that that was in the final series. So I wonder if that's more of a nomination for his work across the series than specifically the last one. Then we have female performance in a comedy programme. I don't think I've watched many of these. We've got Am I Being Unreasonable, Daisy Mae Cooper, Kunk on Earth, Diane Morgan, Meet the Richardsons, Lucy Beaumont, Ellie and Natasha, Natasha Dimitru, Derry Girls. I know that we've got some Derry Girls fans in here. Siobhan McSweeney and then Hull Raisers, Taj Atwell. Lots that I haven't seen. So I haven't seen a lot of these, but I love every single woman on this list. A lot. Daisy Mae Cooper probably up top there as a fellow West Country person. But every single one of those people, I'd be thrilled if they won. Great category. Well, with three male performance in a comedy programme, because again, I, I haven't seen many of these, but Daniel Radcliffe in Weird, The Al Yankovic Story, John Pointing in Big Boys, which I have seen and recommend, Joseph Gilgan in Brassic, Lenny Rush in Am I Being Unreasonable, Matt Berry in What We Do in the Shadows, and Stephen Merchant in The Outlaws. And then oh. I think we should finish on the supporting actors, because I think there are some interesting ones in here. Adil Akhtar in Sherwood, Jack Loudon in Slow Horses, Josh Finan in The Responder, Salim Dorr, who played Mohammed Al-Fayed in The Crown. Samuel Bottomley in Somewhere Boy. He's really, really good in that gorgeous performance. And Will Sharp in The White Lotus. I think Adil Akhtar was brilliant in Sherwood. So, you know, that might be quite quite high up there. Finally, then in Supporting Actress, Adelio Adadio in The Responder. Anne-Marie Duff in Bad Sisters. Fiona Shaw in Andor. Andor what? Jasmine Jobson and Saffron Hocking, both from Top Boy and Leslie Manville in Sherwood. I would love Jasmine Jobson to win this from Top Boy. I think she's remarkable. And that series, she was remarkable. I would love a win for her here. I know we're uh, ending our BAFTAs chat on this category, but I did just want to flag that in reality and constructed factual, a great category. The Traitors is nominated, which I'm thrilled about. And, and Claudia Winkleman for entertainment performance in The Traitors. Give it all the awards. So I just need to, to back Grace on this. Jasmine Jobson is just something else. She's brilliant in Top Boy and the other series. But in this series, when she's given something to really get her teeth into, it is exemplary work in a already very high quality, well acted show. Me and Demo are going to riot if she doesn't win. That's the bottom line. I agree with all of that. I will say that, you know, Anne-Marie Duff and Adelio Adadeo and Fiona Shaw, I think it's a really, really strong category, really strong. Uh, they're all brilliant performances. Would recommend all of those shows. Excellent. So we can't get to the news about Willow being cancelled or about the probable season two of The Gold <laughs> or any of the other stuff. Maybe we'll save that for a future watch list. This has been good. If you want to tell us what you're watching, what you're looking forward to, you can contact us on the social media at TVDNAPod or you can email TVDNAPod at gmail.com. It's a real email. It exists. Andy Wilson emailed it. Yeah. Why don't you be in the same company as Andy Wilson, TV impresario? And Sharon Horgan. Sharon Horgan has not emailed, just to be clear and to make sure we don't get sued for saying something incorrect. But any day now, I live in hope. Sharon Horgan, if you're listening, email us. Or take part in one of our spot. If you listen on Spotify, take part in one of our Spotify polls. We've got those running for a number of weeks to engage with us on those as well. I had never heard of Spotify polls, and I am the youngest person doing this podcast, I think. 
but real really shows how much of a nana I am that had no idea that was even a thing. I, I just want to check, are we also giving equal relevance to Spotify that isn't from Poland? Spotify polls. Oh, oh, God. oh, oh, oh. oh gosh, Jesus. Oh. I thought that was gonna I thought that would have gone a bit better. Right, okay. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I'm starting to feel very self-conscious now. Well with that, we'll we'll leave this one here. So we need to get off and record our Ted Lasso episode. Listen up. Thank that. you, pardon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I'm carrying on with shrinking, which I'm really enjoying. Sorry, let me talk about, I want to talk about Yellow Jackets. Um, And then I'm also watching Light Grace going on a bit of a reality binge. Sorry, sorry, sorry. One more bit on Yellow Jackets before we move on. (laughs) Sorry, I need to be putting my hands up and I'm not. Um, Grand, sorry. So that was, sorry to drop the Paramount Plus bombshell on you. I'm done on, on Yellow Jackets. Neil, I'm going to ask you for one final thing before you go. Um, Succession starts next week. What's your favourite, all-time favourite Succession line? I'm not a fuckometer. And who made you the wizard of fuck? (laughs) 